Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again back uh, to the Gamekeeper podcast here at the Mole Hole in the Gamekeeper studio. Studio. You know, you've added something to the studio and we hadn't brought any light to what's going on in here. No, no. I'm so proud of him. He looks gorgeous. Your little buddy Hercules is up in here. Yeah. Yeah. He is a fine looking mount. I would say he's a fine looking animal for sure. He's a big animal. He really is. Rhett told me, Rhett Kelly mounted him. He told Mm -hmm. me that. He had to order a special form for him. Mm. Is that something they tell everybody, like, to make you feel better about they, it? They've never said that to <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, you know, and by the way, he mentioned your name. I'm sure he did. <laughs> we need to give everybody give Brad a shout out there. Yeah, he said, is that Lanny still working up there? <laughs> He's working hard. need to talk to Lanny. <laughs> thought so, you had me covered when you said yeah, you were I headed down. Like, yeah, I, I got I, you covered. I'm, I'm like, what does that mean? I bought you some time. Yeah. So you got, you got a little more time. Brett, so, you know, I tried to give Bobby some money before he went down there, and yeah, he didn't he, have time to come yeah, back. He knows. Well, gosh, this is a fun time of year, though. Uh, Turkey season is rolling. I'm waiting for it to come in in Alabama. That's what I needed to need to happen. Yeah, you've been acting funny lately. Like you're missing out. You need to get on this public land, Bobby. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, we've had meetings all this week, TV meetings, and I've been kind of covering your roles. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot. I hadn't been here. Yeah. So I've, I've I've been here. Taking care of some business, but Saturday things will change for me. I did hear a turkey on my trip, though. Is that right? Do we have any? So where'd you go? Uh, Went up to Western North Carolina. Spent some time up there with the kids and the mountains and the lakes and the streams up there. But sure enough, the first morning, you know, I couldn't stand it. Of course, the time changed. I'm waking up. I mean, it's dark up there. You know, real not real late in the morning. Anyways, we hopped on up and I hopped out on the porch there and sure enough at the top of the mountain i was like no way that sounds good yeah and then hayden walked out and it gobbled again i'm like golly and he said why don't we bring our stuff (laughs) you can't just hunt anywhere son you know you gotta have a little bit of cook about it but yeah saw a couple strutters up there so that's awesome that, that that really is good well so uh you know today's show but before we get uh way too deep i want to it's kind of, I've kind of got a little somber mood, but I, I, I want to make today's show, I want to kind of dedicate it to Gunner Kennels. And uh, Addison Edwards, he lost Gunner in the last mm-hmm. week. And what a fabulous dog with a just a neat legacy and a neat story. And 
I, it just breaks my heart to, to Man, hear that. And nothing like losing a dog, you know, especially for an, an outdoors. And, you know, a lot of us had, you know, our dogs before we had children. So it was our first child. So I know it's a tough thing. So. It, mm-hmm. it really is. But uh, anyway, I did. I just wanted us to just remember Addison. He's going through a tough time, his family, and uh, and we're thinking about him. And so this show is kind of is dedicated to Gunner Kennels. And guys, if y'all, you need that, you can go to, it's Gunner.com. They make just the absolute best dog kennels you can imagine. Yeah, I think he's got um, a lot of content about his experiences with Gunner over the last year, too. Daniel will probably tell us more about it, but he did a really good job, I think, documenting everything and just what they did, you know, together. So I, I can't read the letters. I started, oh, no, I started I, mm-hmm. and I, I, did, I can't read them. When, uh, when I lost Chief, it, you saying that reminded me of this, when I lost Chief, my wife came up and said, do you want to talk about this? And I said, no, I'm going to bury this as deep inside my psyche as possible. I do not want to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, I don't even want to think about I don't it. So. They're special animals. Man's best friend. That's right. That's right. Well, look, let's move on. Blood on the biologic. There's a lot of turkeys being killed. Uh, there are? Yeah, well, Where? Florida. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard, now, look, I heard that somebody missed one around here. Oh, Ooh. boy. Yeah, here so, we go. Dudley, can you tell a little bit about that? Well, um, yeah. And keep in mind, this is an hour podcast. We need to try to. Okay. Yeah. So um, I thought I was going to be the coolest guy in town and show up on opening morning of turkey season with a public land bird and plop it on the floor in front of everybody. That would have been Mondo right there. You know, after listening to George Mayfield, I made a couple of mental notes and uh, actually used it in the field. Um, Did you use the that, acronym? No, uh, it was more of the <laughs> you know the direction of the gobbles and things like that. Apparently, I hadn't been paying enough attention to that. But uh, yeah, so I made one move. It was a it was beautiful. I was walking in. Trees were still on fire around me in the dark. Oh, uh, they nice. had run a, a fire through there the other day. I set up nothing, and I said I'm gonna move up another couple hundred yards. And I looked down, and there are turkey tracks that are black soot. There's oh. no imprint in the mud. You see black ash tracks. Some fresh sign. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down. And I sat down, called Gobble. and uh, He was played, already on the ground? Played with him for an hour, made one move, and they came in behind me. Oh, I tend to and, do that. Uh, I, I, got, I got a little bit of the nervous jitters and should have – let you know, let them do their thing, and uh, I decided to make a move and make a shot, and I just botched the shot. Well, as Mr. Pug so, says, <laughs> twenty years, twenty years. You forget that about that in fifteen or twenty yeah. years. So that you won't was my feel f- any better about it until you go put your hands on one. Uh, that was my fourth turkey miss, and I think I've been hunting for 36 or 37 years, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. That's a yeah. decent record. Oh, I'm, I missed time. three in one year one time. Oh, oh wow. well, we hope we don't repeat yeah. that this year. And uh, But I left with a smile on my face, and I had an awesome experience, and I can't wait to go back. Well, that's good, Dudley. That's, you know, it did kill one thing, though, Lanny. What's that? I was here to witness it. It killed his productivity the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> he had the mully grow. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And then he was asking everybody, what did I do wrong? I just don't you know. You think you shot over him or you just weren't down on your gun? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think the most common your, mistake is not being down I'm going to have to start making excuses when you ask that question. Did you even and, look down the barrel? 
And I'm not I'm not going to say that I had my my backup glasses on or any of that stuff. You just think you hurried the shot, or that I was using my son's shotgun. You know, you think you hurried the shot? I I, sh- I should have waited. Gotcha. It was close. The turkeys were twenty yards away. <laughs> they, they put so much pressure on you. It, that's what it's so fun about it. Yeah, so, it is. Well, I'm looking forward to today's podcast. We've, as I mentioned, we've got Daniel and Neil Hayes coming in here to talk turkeys and old. School Mossio and all the things that we love so much. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions I'm sure we'll ask. So uh, before we bring them in, Mac, have you got a commercial for us? Mac, Mac. I do. (laughs) Uh, With turkey season here for us and right around the corner for the rest of the people, uh, when I think about spending time at the hunt camp, I think about the good memories made, and most often the good memories are made on a full stomach. Ooh. And so Game Cooper Butchery offers a wide variety of meats that will be delivered directly to your door. And you can check those out on GameKeeperMeats.com. We like. You know, there's some there's some good stuff to eat on there. Oh, yeah. It it, it's amazing. Well, and Vandy's working on a lot of new stuff, too. So we're really, you know, we, we started out trying to curate and look where we can find the best sources of of the, these wild game and offering, but now we're getting the opportunity where he's working on a wild boar chorizo right now. So he's working on that, working on some Cajun boar and duck sausages. So we're Kelly, have some more, more, uh, you know, marquee items coming up pretty soon. My wife yeah. Kelly and I tested some of that the other night. Made That's a good. little cheese plate with the we cut up the sauce. You know, yeah. We, was it the duck and wild boar? Uh, it was both ah. the, the chorizo and the duck ah. and wild boar. So did you enjoy it? Yes. I hadn't eaten any of it yet. The duck and wild boar was, had a good consistency. Like, mm-hmm. it'd be really good in, in gumbos and things like that, yeah. too. Uh, so, Well, good. Good, good. Yeah. So, uh, so hey, Mac, I see you texting over there. Can you, When you get finished, look, today with the guests, since you're long-standing, grown-up compadres with them, you know, running buddies, if you will, I need you to really pay attention. And not necessarily, you know, we kind of let you off the hook last week. He's in here as a fact checker. And the Apex guy, he was throwing out a lot of facts that I don't know. We che- I don't we know checked. if he could have got a word in, though. You know, we were pretty You know, all that tungsten, the metal density and all that stuff. You could have, like, raised your hand. and I learned more after Jared sitting in here than I did coming in. And uh, I needed to know a lot of that stuff to even fact check it. I don't so. think Jared needs much fact check. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like he knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, if I say something... Definitely need to fact check. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I even found a minor mistake uh, in oh. one of my mentionings where I mentioned steel was dense, denser than lead. It's not denser. It, it is harder. And I knew that, but the wrong word came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I got to come clear with well, that. Well, I just want Mike to pay attention, and especially today. So don't let us miss a good opportunity for a question, okay? I definitely won't. Yeah. You know, what I, you know what I think we should talk about, Bobby, since we have the time? What? What? We should talk Who? about. We talk about we somebody. Talk, well, you know, before the Alabama season, you know, starts up. You, we've had a little bit of gray area on your definition of turkey limits for yourself versus turkey limits for your fellow hunters on your on your track of land. So I'd like to publicly, you know, talk about this so we can get it, you know, on record mm. in front of everybody so there will no not be any disputing. What's going on down in the Flatwoods? Because mm. uh, so, I, I can I'll be, the, be hunting. I can be the mediator. Yeah, I'll be hunting with my child, and you're going to be hunting with your child. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so but I'll, I'll just like every other year, I'll let you make the rules. I'm going to follow them, but I'm going to make sure you follow them. Unlike in years past, if well, that's okay. Historically, 
there's, you know, at times there hadn't been a lot of birds down there. So we, and we had several members. So we limited everybody to two birds a season. Okay. So and that's that what we've done by. in the past. Yeah. That's, and that's and, kind of and what people have adhered to it as myself. And then other people have not adhered to well, it. Well, there's been some years when you hadn't killed your two birds. So I've gone ahead and hit oh. it. <laughs> and then there's been years when I pre killed birds from next year's limit. Okay. This year. So I figured that's so you the way can it was borrow a bird from a year in advance well, if you I, have to. He's really good at managing pressure as long as it's not him. Mm well, you just have to but, be creative. <laughs> but I tell you, I'll be perfectly honest with you. After listening to uh, Dr. Chamberlain and mm-hmm. all this stuff, I am. I, I think it's two for me, and that's going to be it. So is that two for you? And so is that do I get two? We you can have two. Okay. Yeah. So does Jesse's count as one of yours? I, I don't think it should. I think okay. it should. <laughs> <laughs> so does Hayden count as one of mine? Of course it does. <laughs> no, we're done. I, I think a guest gets a bird. Oh, so, so we have two birds and a guest bird. I think so that, you're gonna, I that's, think that's where that's you're going. Okay. Yeah. What if Jesse wants to kill another one? Well, she, you know, that'll be tough. You did that before. It's a lot of getting up early, and that's going to push her out. That's going to push her out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I don't think that'll be a problem. So we're good. We we actually is a two. We're going with two birds. Well, you know, Toxie's in our uh, little he, arrangement he as count. well, so we can always borrow from his limit Ooh, should we need to. I'm gonna let you do that. <laughs> yeah, I made a career but, of but, not borrowing. Uh, from his speaking limit. of Toxie, he stood on one's head yesterday. Yeah, so, I'm proud mm-hmm. to see that. He got out of the gate pretty good. He good. He let can yell. But there's one thing, you know. I hate to use the word jealous or envious, but he can. He's got such a sweet yelp. I, every time I get the pleasure of hunting with him, he's usually behind you, you know, because he puts you out in front being the gentleman that he is, unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally, I know it's him, but I have to turn my head around because I swear I think there's a flock yeah. of turkeys behind me he, every he's, time. He's, he's sounds, unbelievable. He sounds, it'll make the hair stand up on and, the back. You know, and I'm a great woodsman too, so. So I, I I wish I could learn to have that sound because he's he's definitely got it. He got it. That's for sure. He he's like, you know, it sounds like we're blowing smoke around the balls, but he he really really he's like a Michael Jordan with a turkey call. Mm-hmm. So not as much the competition type, but no. he sounds like no, a just flock like, of turkeys. He, sounds, a turkey. he does not sound like he's a, a turkey. He sounds like a bunch of turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so why don't we take a break? Why don't we get Mac to run out and uh, retrieve our guest? And when we come back, we'll have— I hate calling them guests. I mean, they're always here. Well, what Our you... people. How about that? Okay. Well, that's what we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Our homies. <laughs> So, well, well, welcome back. Look what the cat drug in. We got two guys sitting over here in the, we're not even going to call it the guest chair Thanks. or the guest couch, yeah. but Lord have mercy. I, I, I got a feeling this is going to be really interesting. It is going to be interesting. It, it looks more like the gar hole to me. Yeah. The couch? Which, yeah. This typical, is where you, typical Bobby fashion. The, you you put the, the wicked the stepchild over there. Way over here in the corner. He's in the hot seat. That's just typical Bobby. He just, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not very accommodating for guests. Tribunals. You, you missed table. the. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. So these guys are these guys are twins. But when I look down the table, there's Daniel's got this nice smile. He just looks so <laughs> like he is, he's happy to be here. And then I look at Neil, and it looks like he's going to attack me at any minute. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure, and, yeah. I, it, nobody uh, is harder on Bobby than I am. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it, this might get ugly here in a little bit. You know, Lanny, don't, don't change a thing. At one Absolutely. time, and Dudley may have been with us, but one time – 
maybe 10 years ago, we got lost in Las Vegas in a parking garage. I, I couldn't remember. I think you lost <laughs> So it's kind of always, I've always remembered it, but I couldn't remember where I parked the car. And we ended up walking around. And we walked like garage. six miles. And yeah. at some point, Neil said, if I ever get in charge of the company, the first thing I'm going to do is fire you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always remembered that. You don't have long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I was like 18 years old when I said that. Yeah, so yeah, well, I might have meant it, I might not. <laughs> well, that's but some, I will something say, else. we had walked a long way. You know what, Bobby? Yeah. People change. That's that's one thing I can hope for. That's something the two of y'all have in common is I never can tell if you're being serious or not. (laughs) So anyway. Well, you need to maybe you need to work on your skills of understanding people's what they're saying. Maybe how they're saying it. Yeah. Well, look, we are way down. Let's get this thing back. And uh, (laughs) so we've got we've got Neil and Daniel and. what we wanted to do, what we were hoping to do today, was talk about uh, turkey season, maybe how y'all's yeah. turkey season's going. But we wanted to talk a little bit about you guys put so much effort, along with your father, to get Mr. Fox a turkey every year. I'd like to talk a little bit about that and how much that means to you guys, and because I, I, that's a special time. And there's so many people that look forward to hearing the stories about that. And then if y'all could, you know what, we haven't talked about how Mr. Fox— uh, Repopulated. Yeah, that's one of the this greatest part of here. the state with turkeys. I think that'd be a good one to good one to talk about as well. And then, lastly, I would love if we could briefly talk about how uh, some of the original mossy oak patterns and the the clothes that were cut in it have kind of become collectible. And there's this little movement on on eBay to people are searching for this and that and uh, talk about that a bit. So, would y'all please what, talk about taking this? Topics with where, where do you want to start? Okay, well, let's start with you, Neil, since you've got that twinkle in your eye. Let's talk about taking uh, Mr. Fox, if you would, some of the, uh, the stories. Yeah, I guess, you know, like when we were kids, we grew up and, you know, he took us, you know, that we we're, you know, growing up as twins, and dad had this, you know, he couldn't take both of us, you know, so one of us was left out to drive. So whenever dad would take one of us, Papa would take the other. And so we grew up with him teaching us the ways of the woods and how to turkey hunt and all that kind of stuff. The same as our dad did. So, you know, we split our time a lot. You know, we probably spent, as a dad, we probably hunted with him a little more. But most of the time, if we weren't hunting both together with dad, one of us went with Papa. So it's kind of like a second father figure for us. And, and, you know, and then kind of the roles have reversed over time. Now it's us, you know, you know, walking him through the woods, holding his hand, you know, getting him sat down on the tree. You know, he's old school and he he doesn't want to, you know, have to sit in a pop-up blind and, you know, just because he's 90 years old, you know, he's still, he's going to go turkey hunting. He wants to sit at the base of an oak tree and yeah. do it the old school yeah. way and wearing his bottom land and, and, and all those things. And, um, but That's it's really just cool. cool to see the roles reverse, you know, from when we were kids and him showing us and teaching us how to hunt and taking us and carrying us through the woods. And now, you know, we're taking care of him and getting him out in the woods and, you know, making sure he gets a turkey every spring. So it's pretty cool to see kind of the, the evolution of that. There's a lot of great Mr. Fox terms, but he says uh, when the, the one day the worm turns, and that's exactly what happened there. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the the thing with you know you got the cliche hunting analogy where with the footsteps or when you're a kid you always Stepping got the, the size twelves with the with the toddler behind mm-hmm. them walking behind, and then as you get older, dad started taking Papa more, and now we got a new kind of footsteps where it's Papa on the middle, Neil on the left. Daniel on the right, mm-hmm. and there's three sets of footsteps walking equal with each other. Because, as Papa said, we gotta 
helping from keep him falling on his fanny. So we both got a wheel of Calais and that little electric golf cart when we're going to Turkey Island because it takes all four of us. Football, I can't remember what he called us, the, some old Roman uh, army term, but he, uh, you know, dad and Papa will be in the front seat. Me and Neil are just sitting in the back and then we get out and it's all hands on deck trying to get it going. Two of us helping him walk and dad helping to get the spot set up. And even to the point that this year we've got the, so the spot that Neil was out of town and uh, Papa's turkey that he killed, first turkey that he killed last year. Um, it was me and dad and Papa. Turkey's gobbling at the same spot uh, this year and it's an easily accessible place, which is one of the biggest things for getting Papa in there. Dad is is mowing the area and sweeping out the leaves of the path to get to the tree because you have you can't you know Papa can't walk eight hundred yards to get right. to a tree. You got to yeah. pull a golf cart up in the pitch black dark. With with last year we had to pull a golf cart up to with turkeys roosting hundred yards away. So you got to be as silent as possible. So we're yeah. I mean as much preparedness goes into that as as you can possibly put into it because nobody else really cares about killing it cares as much about killing a turkey at this point, as long as Papa can get one, then everybody else get theirs after. I think that's the sentiment in the whole turkey world. I hope mm-hmm. nobody is rooting for anybody to kill a turkey more than Mr. Fox. Yeah, you, you really the, feel that. And, no, yeah, I do. One of the coolest. I worry about the, it. My favorite part <laughs> about hunting with him now, too. My whole life has been my favorite part of hunting with him, but no matter what, whether we were kids, and, and obviously, you know, I've only been here for 30 years, and so before that, I can't attest to that. But whenever a turkey comes in, no matter how old he is, even last year, 89 years old, and there's a turkey coming in, he absolutely falls apart. He His tore heart, up. Yeah. He, 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 I mean, he shaped, you would think you're in a, a earthquake, legitimately. Yeah. He absolutely falls to pieces. His heart goes crazy, shaking. And, and that's, I think, something that we all hope that when we're 90 years old, we can still do that. And we still have that same feeling like we're a child hunting, turkey hunting for the first time. Hundred percent. Hundred I just got goosebumps, but yeah. yeah. Neil Neil dug up this old clip of uh, Bob Dixon and Papa from the nineties, and Papa sitting there is their deer hunting actually. Uh, but he's sitting there with the deer, and he said, "I don't ever get tired of it. If I live to a hundred, I don't think I lose my enthusiasm." I remember that. <laughs> now we're, I remember we're, that. We're going to find out. It seems like because he's outlived all his old hunting buddies, and yeah. Well, you know, it's what he's on seventies. What year is it? So this season 74. 74. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's so, uh, gosh, it just, it's so touching to see the effort that that goes into that. And, you know, and I've told Toxie this before, but just to to watch that a a son respect his his parent and and, and the the way he does that and then the way you fall in line and, and you're respecting Toxie and, and you have that this love and respect for your grandfather, it, it's just really touching because it's um, that's something you just – you don't necessarily see that Not every much day. around these days, no. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's so much respect and it's in love. It's so important. And I, I think it's inspired a lot of people to, you know uh, – for lack of a better phrase, you know, wake some of their grandparents up and get them back out in the woods. Yeah. That's an experience. I've been asked. Yeah. So, Daniel, can you talk about Mr. Fox bringing the turkeys in here years ago? Yeah, it's it's a great story to listen to uh, Papa talk about. We've actually, shockingly, we've never documented, you know, Neil is like Papa's personal videographer. You know, if, if we're filming Papa for something, Neil's, Neil's his right-hand man. And uh, I, I don't think we've ever capture that on video so we should probably get that this turkey season but but yeah so Papa obviously everybody knows his history 
born in 1930s, started hunting as a, as a kid. And, and Tom Kelly estimates that when Paul Paul started hunting, there are less than 2,000 turkey hunters in the country. So when you think about his streak of this being his 74th consecutive season, hopefully to kill a turkey, you know, Tom Kelly is 94 and he was born in the 20s. So he's a little, he's been hunting a little longer than Paul Paul, but you can't imagine there's more than Paul Paul's 90. His next closest hunting buddy that was in his original club, except for maybe one guy died when he was 80. So he's outlived them all by already a decade. You can't imagine there's more than a handful of people, maybe single digits, that have been turkey right. on as long, yeah, as, as, long as he has. And when all of us grow up, you're going to have people that lived in 90 and they got an 80-year streak because they killed their first turkey when they were six and, you know, never stopped hunting. But for where Pawpaw is, there just weren't many hunters in the early days. So anyway, fast forward to Pawpaw in West Point, living in Clay County, and, uh, and he decided that, he wanted to, to bring back the turkey population in Clay County. And, and so he goes about, um, I think, what was it, Alabama? At Alabama, Georgia, somewhere a little east of us, where he got the turkeys from. Yeah, and, uh, I, I heard it was Catfish Point. Yeah, yeah I thought it was too. And so let me just let me stop you. So, But he grew up turkey hunting above Mobile down in that yeah. Alabama River so, Basin where there's always been turkeys. Isn't yeah, that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so he grew up in Mobile. The, the, the hunting club that he grew up in, his brother was a member uh, his brother Toxie was a member before him, and then his brother got him in. And I think there were only 16 members at the time, and there was a big hunting club that started it in 1926. It's the guy that started it is in the the like Alabama Conservation Hall of Fame or whatever. Like he's done a ton to for wild turkeys. Um, anyway, so the, the club started in like 1926, and on that stretch of Alabama River, turkeys have never gone extinct, and it's one of the only places in America that the eastern wild turkey has not gone extinct from. So. And they use that area actually to re- relocate turkeys throughout, you know, the whatever, 50s, 60s, 70s and on. And um, so the reason that there was only 2,000 turkey hunters back then, I think, was because there's really it wasn't accessible. There wasn't many turkeys around. But that area, turkeys, and I think y'all have covered it on past podcasts and that, that old original strain of wild turkey right. and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of where it was. And so that's Southeastern. Where, and that's, more, <laughs> that's why he's been able to turkey hunt 74 years in a row is because he's, he's – had a you know place to go for seventy four years, and so. so he was he had uh, all these experiences down there in that swamp that people up here had never had. They, they didn't have turkeys exactly, and then so he fast forward he goes to um, college at Mississippi State, and he decides he wants to start a family in this area, and he's got some family ties to this area already anyway, and um, so anyway, you know he gets here and he's like, well, you know, we, you know, he's obsessed with hunting turkeys, and it's like I don't want to have to drive three and a half hours from a hunting club every time I want to go hunting turkey. And, and and not just that for selfish reasons, but he wanted all his friends and everybody around here to get to enjoy what he's grown up enjoying. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, that gave an idea to relocate turkeys. And so he brought in turkeys and relocated them here and some other areas around North Mississippi and was a big part of, of you know, this, especially in Clay County and, and a few of the surrounding counties was a big part of, you know, while we have turkeys today. So yeah, it's That's pretty huge. cool. So he, he, uh, but whenever when he was going about reinstating them, he was you know back then he can't just he couldn't just pick up a cell phone and call his buddy in Jackson and and get it, send me some turkeys you know, get a vision for it and, <laughs> and get the law passed. So the obviously we all know turkey hunters, so you can imagine this scenario. But when you talk about reinstituting the population, the next question from everybody else is not doing the work like with Papa is when can we hunt them? And so Papa had to make sure okay if we go through the trouble of trying to. Um, you know, raise these turkeys and let them evolve in the wild. And we got to give them a few years. How many years are we going to give them before people start breathing down our necks, wanting to kill them? 
And, uh, you know, it was, it was just off of Highway 50 up here, so it was in a really visible spot where these turkeys were when you think about there being none before. So he he talks with the guys in Jackson. They put the turkeys out. They're going to give them – it was either four or five years that they were going to wait. And then if, you know, they bred and rebred and everything and everything seemed good, they were going to open up the first hunting season uh, after four or five years. So anyway, a couple of years down the, down the line – or actually when he brought them, the guy brought the turkeys in February. It was 10 hens. And Papa said, "What are you doing? Giving me ten hands in February? You Where's the rooster? Yeah, give me something <laughs> to breed them with." And he said, "Mr. Fox, I guarantee you that at least half of these turkeys uh, are going to breed this yeah. year." And he said, "Sure enough, six or seven of them uh, nested, and they, you know, the population did pretty well in the first year." So, like I said, it was right off Highway 50. It was in a really visible location for a few years. Papa all the time. People would be driving down the road. They would see Papa at the store or wherever, and they'd say, "Mr. Fox, we saw your turkeys over there. They're <laughs> looking good." Everybody would call them Fox's turkeys. Yeah, that's and cool. so, but so anyway, that was it was a, a good and a bad thing because they were in a, such a visible location that people were driving down the highway and seeing turkeys on the left, turkeys on the right. They're like, "We got players everywhere. Let's get them." You're yeah. telling me it's not time to hunt them yet, but every time I drive down here, I'm going to hit one with my truck. Like, what's the deal? So, again. Communication is not as visible back in those days. So this guy kind of goes behind Pawpaw's back, does a little under the table deal with a politician in Jackson who's a little sleazy to at the last minute in one of these state congressional sessions push through uh, an earlier season. And so Pawpaw is freaking out. He's like, we're not ready. If you do it right now, then you, the population will just get wiped out. We're not ready for a season yet. You got to wait. So Papa Hobson is probably rickety car. I don't know what he was driving then, but I imagine it was rickety. So he <laughs> he hauls down to Jackson and and he gets the floor at this session. And so the guy that I think he was one of the lead, he was one of the fish and wildlife guys from Mississippi, biologist. Um, and he he lets Papa, you know, talk about the situation in Clay County, and um, the guy basically tells everyone that I'm going to let Mr. Fox talk to whoever would be the the lead biologist for the for the state who would carry the strongest uh, opinion and he said i'm gonna let him talk to him and then whatever the biologist says he knows better than any of us that's what we'll decide on and so he, they they shut everything down he gets off and goes and talks to papa and he said all right you little peckerhead i bought you a week you better go make it happen <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we they, they ended up getting it getting it uh where it didn't didn't come back too early and uh i was reading this thing about duff holbrook you know who, who kind of pioneered the the um, turkey relocation methods that um, that the NWTF used and that really uh, relocated a ton of turkeys in populations that weren't huntable, primarily South Carolina. But there was a somebody said if you see a turkey in some area, I don't know South Carolina very well, but there's a huge area of the state where they say if you see a turkey, Duff put it there, and that's kind of where where we hunt. If yeah. you see a turkey, Fox put it fox there. Put it yeah, there. yeah that's, that's great. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so, one other thing that's interesting to think about, too, is, is like relocating turkeys. Like, for instance, here, when they just turned out whatever, maybe 10 hens and like a jake or two or whatever it was. And, you know, within four or five years, I mean, they were hearing like 15 turkeys gobble in a morning, like crazy numbers. And then you think about today's world, it's so hard just to raise one nest of mm -hmm. holes. You know, do you think that the nest predators at that time did not know what to hunt for and what to look for? And you think that's the reason it exploded 
off the bat because they just didn't know that they never seen a turkey egg before. So they didn't necessarily know to look for it. You think that might be one of the that's highly possible. Yeah, you see that in population introductions and wild yeah. species. They boom at the beginning, and then the predators and predate predation was probably a lot lower back and, then. Yeah, too. back then there weren't hardly and any deer. Were trapping yeah, too. There, there were probably coon hunters. And everybody was down. yeah, coon hunting, small game yeah. hunting. So that helped so, a lot. So what I find interesting about that story is the ten hens in February, no roosters, and no so had a rooster. Yet. They had no already bad. been bred. <laughs> Obviously, they'd yeah. already been bred. Yeah. So when you know when you think about that, that's that's those turkeys didn't come from far from here. This is my yeah. favorite story at Mossy Oak. You know, we and it's the great thing about it is the truth. You know, um, and and this precedes the fistful of dirt. You know, and we talk about we live this this life that's dedicated to wildlife and conservation. I mean, you know, the conservation work that he started in the beginning predicated all of this. So, anyways, yeah, I, get, I, think, I get fired up. Yeah, when I, I, think, I think that's why everyone <laughs> at Mossy Oak is it just loves the you know any chance they can get to serve. Papa or Mr. Fox in, in some capacity because he's one of those guys. He's from the greatest generation ever. Yeah, no doubt. And he's one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest of that greatest no generation. Doubt. And so he spent an entire life, 90 years, doing nothing but serving other people, helping other people, giving back to everything, giving back to wildlife, and giving back to his friends and his family. And everybody sees that, and they're just, they just want to be able to give back to him in any kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. if it's just holding the door for him while he walks in the, yeah. the office or something, everybody just – you know, they just want to give their little part back to him because he's giving back to every one of us. You know, I've never, ever, ever will you hear anybody say a negative word about Mr. Mm-hmm. Fox. That was uh, you. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like during turkey season, especially in the days leading up to it. It's like a like a Texas high school football town. If you go to Waffle House or Tim Lizzie or at the grocery store the other day, people were like buzzing, like, "Hey, you know." A, before the season started, people saying, "Oh man, oh your papa yeah. gets one yeah. this year." And then when the season starts, when you come in, everybody you know everybody's in the diner wearing the camo. You can tell he's hunting and who's not. And everybody is, you know, it's like if you had a, a football game, but you couldn't hear about the score until the next morning. Everybody's waiting to hear. Yeah, has papa got one? Yeah, has he got one? Yeah, <laughs> he's everybody's yeah. friend, and and it's interesting. Like, I feel like I'm talking to one of my buddies that's my age. You know, he's twice my age, but he's just everybody's friend. Yeah, so easy. Whenever he was working with Brian Foods, they had this guy come in and do an evaluation of all these employees and stuff. And and the guy that and then when he sat down with Papa and he did the whole evaluation and everything, and he came to I guess Mr. George, who was his boss, and he said, "Would you come? What was your conclusion?" He said, "He said I've never seen this in, in my entire life of doing this." He said, "Well, he said this man is incapable of telling a lie." <laughs> he said, I, "I promise you, he's incapable of doing it." And well, he can okay. depart. He can impart more wisdom in less words than any human being. You know, he's got those yeah. two or three words, and it's like, uh, what is it? Yeah, you just don't want to disappoint yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Just, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, you guys. He, what yeah, a blessing you had. Some, I've had a few times throughout my life where I, I let him down or disappointed him, Ooh. and it is the worst feeling. You can't imagine how bad of a feeling that is. <laughs> it's it's horrible. It sucks. <laughs> he, he, he really like. I mean, if people get old and. Or people, if they're, they're declining health or whatever, or when you start to miss people, everybody gets kind of positive nostalgia where you get, you know, you hear people talk about somebody that maybe you weren't a fan of, but they always inflate their good characteristics. Forget about the bad ones. Right. With Papa, it's, you know, you can tell by talking to anybody, it's none of that going on as he's gotten older. It is, he literally, that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. This man's incapable of telling a lie because it's not possible to be human, but that's, that's Papa. I mean, he is. You, if you've ever seen him around our uh, our grandmother, like in marriage, 
Never in my entire life have I seen a more patient man. I mean, it is un- unbelievable. He's the most patient human yeah, yeah. that he, I've ever known. I tell you he's what, a great if example. You, if you tell him, if you look him in the eye and say, hey, Papa, I'm going to do this, or if you say, if he calls you and said, hey, I need you to do something for me, he expects you to do it. I'm on his gonna, list yeah, right now. I'm not going to say, oh, I forgot. Like, <laughs> I had to tell him that last week because of the snowstorm. I forgot to do something. I was, when you said that, I was like, I have, I cannot believe I did this. I have completely let him down. Yeah. So, on the same note, I got to say, because it, it, it perfectly applies to that. But when, so, you know, Papa worked for Brown Foods forever. And at the, before he retired, he was like the, the VP of procurement or something like that. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he had all these relationships with farmers all across the country and uh, cattle at times and and primarily pigs when when he uh, retired. But when he retired in the nineties, he, you know, he comes from a different age in his early days. But I mean, the nineties not that long ago. There's still a lot of corruption going on back then. He was buying, I can't remember the number, but it was tens of thousands of pigs a week, and every single deal he had was a handshake deal. Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, he was dealing millions of dollars worth of procurement with all these farmers and every single one was, he shook your hand and it was going to happen. That was, again, was better than a contract. Yeah. You know, I, and I can remember since, you know, when, when I moved up here 26 years ago, I mean, he's, he made a point to just go out of his way to make me feel welcome. But there were a lot of Sunday afternoons where I would see him and Miss Evelyn riding around. And I think that was a, a, a every Sunday afternoon, maybe they rode around out in the country and looked at some of his land. I still see him riding around. And he'd Looking. always talk, he'd always refer to her. He either called her, I think he would refer to her as his bride. I'm, I'm with my bride and we're, yeah, that's you know, right. If you saw him driving so down the sweet. road, if he was driving, they were going 10 miles under the speed limit. If she was driving, they were going 20 miles over the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Probably looking good. for cool plants to dig up and all uh, kinds he, of yeah, so there's, there's a cool quote that I think just – Pawpaw's got – like you said, he's got so much wisdom. And uh, one of the things you said, too, about he feels like he's everybody's buddy. Uh, he's got a lot of quotes that are more well-known, but one of them that, that he said that I think is some of his, his brightest wisdom that perfectly – talks about kind of what it means to be a gamekeeper and that connection that you share with other people, even if you've never met them, if you got the same passions. And he was, he was talking about just his life in general and how much he loves uh, being outside and working the dirt and what multi means to him. But he said, uh, if, if you, if you work on the land, if you get your hands dirty, then you share a connection, regardless of if it's the same habitat or if you've met them or not, or you're hunting the same game, you share that same connection with somebody in Nebraska or Iowa that shares that same love of, of working the dirt. And he said, I don't know if the, if a fellow in the concrete and steel in New York and Chicago share that same connection. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Cause there really is something about getting your hands dirty. It, it there really is. Yeah. And Mr. Fox clearly gets it. Cause he's, he's, uh, been a farmer for all these years, like cattle. And, he was I mean, planting food plots before anybody. I mean, that's why we call him the OGK. Yeah, you I know think what I mean? He, <laughs> he, he is. Uh, time out. I, he down he there was planting food plots before you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 1920, they may have planted the first food plots for white-tailed deer ever. Probably so. Uh, at, at that club down there. Possibly. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say they did. I know it's one of the oldest um, – I don't know about hunting clubs. You know, I think there's some waterfowl hunting clubs that are really, really old. But I know it's one of the oldest turkey hunting clubs in North America. So, uh, the man, it's, it's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty it really cool. Is. I mean, yeah. it was started yeah. four years before he was born. You know, it was, and so, look, I, I would think on the Mossy Oak Go app, you can see the 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 
television show that you did down there four or five yeah, years Tom ago. Yeah, Top Top Left, yeah. Yeah, so what would they Google, or what, how would they go to the Go app and then type in? I, I, honestly, I don't, I, I'd have to look it up. Just go to the most Go app. It would probably Top Top Left. It would be under Hunting the Country. I think that Bob Dixon hunt is on there, too, with him in the blind when he gets all tore up. It's so awesome. Yeah, and the cool thing, I think a lot of people know this story, but or know about it, but the the hunting club, that's where um the mossy oak name came mm-hmm. from. It, you know, they didn't they didn't name a tree the mossy oak tree because mossy oak the company. Yeah. There was a tree there that it, that it existed hundred years before mossy oak ever came about. And that was they broke the ter- they they drew for territories every Friday night before the weekend hunt and they would draw cards and whoever draw the highest card got to pick their territory and then they'd draw cards again and go down the line. And the territory where that tree was, mossy oak tree territory you know, it was a really good place and it was on a sandy ridge uh, right before it kind of drops off in the Alabama river bottom. And it was full of big old growth, natural growth pine trees. And it just, there was this big giant post oak with moss, Spanish moss all over it. And it just didn't look like it belonged, but like belonged in that, that spot. And so they named it the mossy oak. And that was kind of the landmark in the center of that territory. And so they would love, that was one of dad and Papa's favorite places to turkey hunt growing up. And so, Whenever you know, Dad decided you know the whole, decide you know with this full of dirt and that and this and that, he you know trying to go come up with names and he'd gone through some ridiculous names that just you know you say them out loud now you're like thank, <laughs> thank you, you. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. but uh, and then uh, he I think he he said something and I think him and Papa were riding down the road one day and he said you know what I was thinking about it what about mossy oak you know because it rang a bell with him he said wow. You know, that's that's it. That's it. You know, that's as it. soon as he said it, you know, I think they both agreed. Like, you know, yeah. that's that's what it should be called. Wow. And when we went back down there, the so the tree got struck by lightning and uh, and died. We were able to salvage some of the wood, but the, I hope that's not bad karma. Yeah, the stump, no. the stump that was left. Uh, yeah, I hope not. That was that was probably ten years ago now when they were born. But the the stump when we went back there with Papa, uh, where it was that had you know as it starts to get kind of hollowed out, there was a silhouette that was perfect silhouette of the original Mossy Oak logo that was left in the center of the tree. That is really so cool. cool. That's yeah. sitting on the porch at Shamula, isn't it? The, the, the silhouette's not in there, but a chunk of the, that was the stump that was still in the ground. But yeah, yeah there's a chunk of the wood that was salvaged. It's not pretty to look at because yeah. um, there's no bark on it or anything. But yeah, it's sitting on the front porch at Shamula. That's wow, stuff. what a cool old tree. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. I've seen some photos of it. It's, it was impressive. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't look here. like you would uh, imagine it. It doesn't look like the original logo where it's a big, no. you know, big giant top of a, you know, it's it's really tall and straight, and it just it just literally doesn't look like it belongs in the in the area where it sits, hmm. where it's at. Well, so yeah. uh, while we're here and talking about you, you kind of brought up your dad, and that, as you, I would love for you guys, if you could, to uh, reminisce about your first turkeys. And, you know, I got to think that we, we were talking before you guys got in here about how good Toxic can yelp. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's really good, to say the least. But at some point, you guys were just hunting with Dad, and you probably didn't realize you were hunting with a, the guy the ninja, who was a, yeah. a world-class <laughs> turkey hunter. And I mean, I'd just like you to talk a little bit about that. Well, that I have a story that, that reminds me of, but I do remember when I was a kid one time, and I was turkey hunting with Papa. We were riding around at uh, West Lockard, and and I, look, I asked Papa. I said, you know, I'd started looking at like paying attention to like calling competitions and stuff like that, and noticed, you know, I was like, Dad's never in. I was like, you know, would Dad win, you know, like this world champion turkey calling contest? 
you know, he, he looked at me and he said, I don't, you know, he, he probably wouldn't win one of those uh, world champion turkey calling contests, but I'll tell you what he would win. If there was a contest for the, the best woodsman, the best turkey hunters, he would win that. And then that, my, my opinion, that's more important than being the best turkey caller in the woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we can talk about Daniel killed a turkey before I did. So yeah. Uh, first. Ooh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. No, I that, it, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's one of those things where I, I can barely recall any turkeys that I killed after my first one until I was on into my teens. I can't, there's not a lot, a lot of like vivid where I can remember being picked up going to the woods and exactly where I was. When I killed it, but my first one, I don't know how old we were, seven, seven eight, seven years and, old. And, but I remember, I don't remember any other memories from probably even within a year of that. But I remember we were sitting, it was an afternoon hunt and we rarely hunt in the afternoon around here. And me and Neil and another guy were upstairs playing video games. And dad was going to take one of us out for the afternoon. And so I got to go with him. So I was like, all right, let's go. And <laughs> like a lot of times we drew straws or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was probably, I don't know how we got to determine which one of us got to go, but I was the, I was the lucky one. So, um, everybody that's been around here for a while obviously knows the, the old lease that people just considered Mossy Oak property a cotton mill. Yeah. So anyway, we go out for an afternoon hunt and, uh, we go to the cotton mill and we, we walk down the railroad tracks, uh, and we're, we're going, Kind of towards the south side of the property, and and some turkeys are are gobbling right off the ridge from the from the tracks, and so we dip off on the west side of the the tracks and go uh, go sit down, and you know the I killed my first turkey, and I can still remember shooting it, and the rest of the turkeys still hanging around there, and me being like, a why aren't we going to get this turkey, and b are we allowed to shoot anymore? And dad, dad's like, what's you know, the limit? <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta sit here. You don't want to, you don't want to spook any of the other turkeys. Like as long as it takes, you just got to sit here until they kind of make it off on their own. So they sat there moving around like turkeys do sometimes. And, uh, and you know, five, 10, 15, whatever, uh, however long later they, they walked off and me and dad went out there. And I bet. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't, I can't recall another turkey that I killed within years after that. But I remember that one, like the back of my hand, I can see the dang, Exact railroad tracks that we walked in on. Oh, yeah, wow. that's cool. So yeah. my, mine involves a lie. I wouldn't have killed the turkey without lying to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a white lie. So, so we were we had hunted that morning. We didn't do anything, and we were sitting on the porch. It was probably ten o'clock in the morning, maybe a little later. And we were. I was. They were inside the camp, and um, I was standing on the porch, and I came running inside. I said, "Dad, Dad, I just heard a turkey gobble." He's right over there. He's all right. Let's go. You know? So we got our stuff on. I did not hear a turkey. Y'all. <laughs> not hear. We walked over and walked up the road and he blew a crow call and a turkey gobbled as exactly where I told him I heard one. And I did not hear a turkey. And I, That's I was great. Like, That's I awesome. Whoa. You know, I just want, you know, I was just like, I, we turkey hunted the year when we were, I think six years old was kind of the first time we went with a gun and we tried and we called some turkeys in range and just, you know, being it's six tough, years old, being six, yeah. shot and, I think I was just so like I just wanted to kill a turkey so bad I was willing to just tell my dad, hey, I just heard a turkey gobble, just so we could go out and hunt, you know, just just to yeah. give an excuse. To Your brother was already on the board, yeah, and, and it was one of those things. We sat, we sat down and and uh, and called this turkey gobble, and he was by himself, you know, late morning and just typical flash hunt. He was right there in five or ten minutes, and yeah, I just remember shooting him and running out there, and dad getting out there and, and stepping on his head, and then he turned around, and I'm like flying through the air, like jumping and giving yeah. him a big bear hug, you know. And, um, but yeah, that's like Daniel said, I, you know, there's a lot, I don't remember, you know, maybe after that, but that one, you know, will stick with me till I'm dead. So yeah. Those first turkeys have a way of, oh, yeah. 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 
Yeah, they sure do. So do, do you guys, it seems like I remember you guys being in some of the, I don't know if the word is contest, but y'all, there's a thing here in the state where there's two-man teams and y'all hunt. It's and- just a, just hunting with friends. We uh, we just, it's, I guess you call it a turkey hunting tournament. Uh, um, but yeah, just uh, more of a reason to just get together with some of your turkey hunting buddies and, and just, you know, maybe put some friendly wagers in, down and, yeah. and get yeah. out and turkey hunting. And just some friendly competition, but you know. It's- so my, my my question is, you guys being twins, when y'all are turkey hunting together, is there? Can you telepathically? Or do you think you guys have an <laughs> yeah. advantage because maybe you know what the other one's thinking because you're twins? Does I mean this two days ago, open morning turkey season, we went hunting and we called these two turkeys in, and Daniel's sitting ten yards from me and on a tree to the right of me. We call these turkeys in fifty yards, two long beards. They're kind of behind a treetop for me, and Daniel, he can't get a clean shot, and they kind of walk off, uh, but they're still gobbling. They're kind of out in this cutover. And so I decided to go back, you know, 80 yards or so to try to get them, pull them back to Daniel. And when I do that, I leave my phone by the tree, and I just, I, Daniel's like trying to signal stuff up there, and I'm like, and I have no idea where the, what's going on. And so to answer your question, no, because if, if I said yes, we could have figured <laughs> yeah, it out without cell phones. We could not figure it out without cell phones. And so finally, I got back up there, where it, and Daniel was able to tell me what happened. But no, that doesn't work. Yeah, okay. Well, I've there been, might be. There's probably a little bit of team chemistry that that there is, but you know, there's yeah. no there's no magic. There's definitely team chemistry. Yeah. Mm. So you got a lot of turkeys together. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was about to say. Seems like uh, I've always heard that y'all tag team turkeys, and maybe I won one of those. Contest one year, or, or well, I mean, the, the thing should I, have anyway. Well, I, it, it sounds weird saying Wood and Mac and I have won a contest twice, but Daniel and I quit texting Mac and Daniel and I do a tournament together, and then Mac and I do a tournament together, and Mac and I have won twice. Daniel and I had one yet, so. And for, for just to clarify for anybody listening, because like hunting tournaments get a bad rap because some of them have different rules, and there's predator tournaments where you're just trying to it's a body count kind of thing, like. Yeah, turkey things are literally just buddies getting together to fry right. turkey nuggets, bull crawfish, and and hunt just like they would every other Saturday of the season. You just all come together afterwards, and yeah, you know, if you have score to, your turkey, yeah. if you have no double up with your buddies, you score them up. But there's no, uh, you know, there's no ill will involved, or you know, at least not in the, in the ones that we're doing. I'm sure there. Yeah, some other yeah, no, no, get a little I, more intense I, about I, it. We're just yeah. buddies. It's, it's one of those things, you know. You have we we all have buddies and stuff, especially college buddies. We don't see that much, and and everybody gets to go turkey hunting in the spring, but everyone doesn't really get to turkey hunt together, and and right. everybody's not part of the same camps and stuff like that. So it's just kind of a chance for everybody to kind of be like in the same hunting camp uh, for the weekend. Yeah, it's like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man, yeah, it really does. So that that leads me to the point of. of, of New Mac is the most inquisitive person I've ever run across. <laughs> Mac, surely you've got a question you'd like to see these guys answer. I would like to to reference the turkey tournament. And one cool thing about it is Neil and I don't get to hunt together that often. So that's one weekend a year that we get to spend time in the woods together and kind of get to get caught up on everything in life and now kids and things like that, which is a lot of fun. And another benefit to the tournament, some of the proceeds we actually give to the NWTF uh, for conservation. So there's there's a lot of benefits to that. But uh, one question that I have for between the turkeys over there uh, (laughs) is – what differences do y'all recall or that y'all have noticed with hunting with Papa and your granddad versus hunting with your dad as far as tactics, uh, style? Uh, I know 
Paul doesn't put his gun on his knee and, and something like that. Or is there anything else that has stood out to y'all that their differences complement each other or their kind of style of turkey hunting? Um, yeah, that Papa, you know, the way Papa grew up when they turkey hunted, you know, back in the early days, one, you didn't have bottomland. You know, you wore the army camera, whatever it was, you couldn't hide in, in the river bottom. There's, you know, especially early in the season, there's no leaves. And so you basically had to build a blind and you pretty much sat in that blind all morning and you didn't call, you know, you'd call two or three times every 30 minutes and you just sit there and be patient. And now it's more of a run and gun. You chase them if they're gobbling. If they're not, you go to another spot or you, it's just a whole. So I think it's just, you know, different generations are, you know, kind of learn different ways. But, you know, I think Paul Paul would be more of the patient, sit still and be patient kind of turkey hunter. And dad was the more scatterbrained, you know, wanting to get after him and run a gun kind of. Tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, Papa was sixty when we were born, so he's in his seventies. When you're old enough to actually be paying, you know, you're not paying attention to the tactics of the guy you're hunting with when you're eight. So when you get when we're old enough to pay attention to that sort of stuff, Papa's you know into his seventies, nearly eighty. And it was a funny thing yesterday. I was I was uh, talking to Grant and Papa, and Papa was talking about the uh, the history of of mouth yelpers, and he, and he was talking about them. <laughs> The first ones. What was the guy's name? There's a guy in Mobile that, uh, that made them for everybody. Yeah, those was a couple of guys. I know one of the guys in the club, uh, Ben Ratcliffe, had had made the first turkey calls. Like I got maybe the first turkey calls for their club, but he made them out of uh, condoms, and mm-hmm. he would I think copper wire, and he would stretch those. You know, so he'd buy like packs that you know, like basically in bulk would buy condoms to build turkey calls for all the people at the club. And Papa was you know did that as well and made his own turkey calls back in the day. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, but he was talking about, but yeah, so Papa, that Mr. Radcliffe would, would make him, that's where Papa got him uh, in the early days. And then he would try to, you know, after World War II, there was an, this insane surplus, surplus of what prophylactic kits or whatever. So there was a whole lot of latex flying around. And uh, so, uh, so Papa made some himself. But anyway, they were talking about like the history of, of mouth calls and, and how they improved and, and got, you know, the tension in the calls more consistent and how easy, easy they were to call back then versus now. And, and Grand butted in for Papa and said, "Yeah, after uh, after Toxie grew up, Papa decided he didn't really feel like even blowing a mouth call anymore. He's just gonna let uh, Toxie be his personal caller." <laughs> yeah. so he said, "It's a after, good choice." Yeah. So after after he got older and 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 Dad would would hunt with him, it was like Papa. He didn't, you know, he had yeah. a chauffeur at that point. He, he was uh, he was good with letting letting Dad do the calling. I uh, would imagine. I mean, I can picture in my mind. Uh, an older, wise Mr. Fox and a young Toxie wanting to run and gun. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine there were a lot of little conversations in the woods when the turkeys got them. Dad, can let's move over here. No, we need to stay. I, I bet there were a lot I'm of sure. those. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a few people that remind me, like, when I think of them, like, I, I think they might be part turkey. And it's like Dad and Papa are two of those people. Like, y'all mm-hmm. had George Mayfield on. He's, like, one of those guys. He's part turkey. Yeah. yeah. Bob Dixon, you know, and – and the one person that comes to mind that's not is Bobby, but <laughs> that's, that's something we can discuss that another time. But but it is you know one of those things that like they're just they're so they're such good woodsmen and they've turkey hunted so much that they almost think like a turkey and they're oh, just yeah. like you know and I and I'll hunt with Dad and it's like and he'll just instinctively do things and I'm like I didn't even think of and we'll kill a turkey because I, that we wouldn't otherwise killed and it's just like yeah he'll tell you God. what the turkeys are going to do before the yeah, he's like, 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 and then they do it you know I mean it's just the, and that's the beauty of turkey hunting is the cat and mouse game between you and the turkey and that's just that's you know being out in, in a you know 
pine plantation or in the hardwoods or whatever it is. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. And I think one of the, the beauties of that old school way of turkey hunting without decoys or anything, it's just you and a call and the turkey. And it's that cat and mouse game. And when you shoot the turkey, he's still looking for you. He still hasn't found you. You know, he's coming in, he's looking, he's behind every tree. He's going behind a tree, this and that. And I think one of the, the greatest parts of the, uh, for me, the, is the thrill of that is just when you shoot the turkey, when you squeeze the trigger, he still doesn't. He still hasn't found the hand he's looking mm-hmm. for. Him. And I think that's one of the cool parts of, of hunting the way we do. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, Yeah, you explained that well. That, yeah. that sure is. And I'll also add that that two other people that you know you're not you can't be part turkey when you're young. It's just something that's got to come uh, when you're older. Anybody who's who's in their twenties or thirties claiming to be part turkey is a little ahead of, a little ahead of their skis. But <laughs> um, Papa and Dad very much so. Bob Dixon. Uh, and then and not through, through however <laughs> however genetics work, Will Dixon is going to be part turkey and Neil is going to be part turkey because yeah. they're two incredible woodsmen. Will, you know, Tom Kelly's got some quotes about hunters think they know their property, but they don't really know every inch of their property. Unless you're a forester and you're uh, marking timber, you don't really know, you know, you might go somewhere you hunted turkey five years ago and a, and a, a thing in your mind is a quarter mile from where it was five years ago kind of stuff. Like, yeah. um, but Will, that there's a, me and some Neil hunted together and uh there was a picture that was just on my Instagram story and they were walking and it was in some pines and nothing really distinct about the picture other than some pine trees. And nobody else would would look at that picture, probably even people that we're friends with and have any clue where we were. We could be in Mississippi or Alabama. It's not literally nothing distinct about it. And Will Dixon sends me a a, a message and said, Those turkeys right there in that spot are evil. And I was like, You have no clue where we are. You're a ninja if you know where this picture is. And he said, you go down a dirt road, you take a right, gates on the right, there's some ponds on the left, ponds on the right, you walk through between the ponds, there's Greenfield on there, and there's a little Indian mound right past there. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, <laughs> did, Will, that was like, what, 10 years ago that y'all hunted there? He, uh, it was eight or 10 years ago since he's been there. He's only been there once, and they had one good turkey hunt there. I think, I don't even know if I was with him, maybe in Bandy. Uh, I'm trying to remember, I mean, it's been a while, but. Yeah, the fact that he knew that just by seeing a group of pine trees. Yeah, I mean, I get, I literally, I get you know, that are ten years older. But that's just <laughs> yeah. that Bob was the same way, and he just, you know, he just comes through that naturally. Yeah, um, it literally blew my mind. I mean, I'll get, I'll get lost going to places that I've been going to since I was five, and <laughs> Will sees a few pine trees. He's like, oh yeah, I know exactly where that is. Well, I can tell and you. you can also be an excellent woodsman and a terrible turkey hunter. Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I follow Will on Instagram and I enjoy seeing those pictures and his family that's getting started. And speaking of, uh, Neil, you've got a, a new a new member of your family. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, actually, last night, uh, introduced him to Papa for the first, Grand Papa for the first time. Oh, is that man, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, you yeah, know, it was, it was cool seeing him holding, you know, he's, he's kind of weak right now. And he, and he, he's never been a big, uh, like baby, you know, holding babies. You know, he's just always kind of let, uh, Grand did that, but you know, he was holding him and he was just kind of like his head was like kind of leaning back like this and he was just kind of like almost upside down. I'm like, You're doing good, Papa. You're doing a good time. <laughs> but he was, it meant the world to him to, to you know, yeah. be able to hold his grandson. Yeah. So. And so the, the your son is named Toxie. Yeah. Toxie Jr. That is so uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were, when we were born, we, you know, dad had twins. You know, I think originally he wanted to name his, his firstborn son, you know, Toxie Daniel Hayes Jr., which would be named after him. And he didn't get that luxury because he had twins. And so he, he split the names. <laughs> Double up. He named me Toxie Neil Hayes. Neil's off my mom's side of the family. And then named Daniel Daniel Fox Hayes and gave him his middle name and Papa's middle name. 
And so that's kind of why the name split up. And so my son is Toxie Neil Hayes Jr. So he, he's got dad's name and then my middle name. So anyway. And that, after I got older, that was my biggest gripe in hindsight with my parents that I think Fox is the coolest name on the planet. And I go by Daniel. <laughs> so if, if I'm lucky enough to have have a have a son, then I'll there will be another fox that that goes by fox and and it, no, it's that's awesome. It's also interesting that you know you you've got a cousin uh, Neil and uh, a cousin uh, Bob Neil wrote the book The Flaming Turkey, right? Yeah, the mom's case. It's, it's on the. That, I was that's a that. different you know, Neil. It's Robert Hitnell, wasn't it? The yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the Flaming yeah. Turkey. But that's on my mom's side of the family, ironically. So yeah, there's. History of turkey literature. Turkey on, on both sides. Which he actually grew up hunting uh, near or at catfish, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. which is where the turkeys came from exactly. that populated yeah. Clay County. Never yeah. heard that. And, I never and, knew and this. That's and, awesome. And it's just wild family. But, like, Papa did not grow up in West Point, grew up in Mobile, but had family here. And to find out that the first office building they bought, you know, years later, they found out that A.P. Cottrell, his, what was his? His granddad. Great his grandfather or great-grandfather built that building in like 1892 or whatever. So that's just like, you know, crazy thing about it. Like he moved, he, the only reason he settled in West Point because he went to school at Mississippi State, married my Parkville, and they, you know, decided to, you know, he bought a farm in West Point and decided to settle here. But, you know, it's just crazy to think about the, the family history here that he didn't really know about almost. Yeah, all those things Serendipity. get in place to make this, yeah. yeah. Did you use another big word, Bobby? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, Boy, Lanny. Just, I keep killing it today. Throwing off of these words, but that, that, he's, you know, he's a famous author. So. This, uh, <laughs> I mean, the Mossy Oak story, though. I mean, it's got so many things that just line up perfectly. Well, and, and speaking of Bobby, another crazy thing—not Bobby directly—but if it weren't for the intensity of the hatred between Alabama and Auburn, then Mossy Oak wouldn't exist because our family on Papa's side, like Neil said, it's a lot of a lot of Mobile roots, and they're all. They all go to Alabama, big Alabama family. Um, or, you know, what, Paul Ball's dad went to med school when there was med school in, in, in Alabama back in the day. And uh, so they go they go way back. So Paul Ball wants to go into, uh, you know, some sort of forestry, wildlife, agricultural kind of degree that he can't get at Alabama. So his, you know, logical next choice in Alabama is to go to Auburn. And, I mean, that's, that story has happened a million times in, in the state of Alabama or anywhere where there's a big football Robbery and his dad said, "Well, you can go to Auburn, but you're not going to get any help with tuition." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so you know, Starville came in uh, between there, and then you know, Grand was homecoming queen while Papa was there, and but if and then they met, and the rest is history. But yeah, if if, if Alabama and Auburn got along a little better, then then uh, we Papa, might not all be Papa would have been an Auburn Tiger, <laughs> yeah. and, and then Mossy Oak would have never never existed. That, that's a cold story. Yeah, it really is. There's so many levels. Of it's so good telling. You know, I've you know spent a lot of time telling Toxies and Mossy Oak story over the years, and and even ran into people like, wow, what agency helped you create this story? And it's like, uh, just this fight. is the truth. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, another note on the the likelihood of Papa ending up here and Dad being born and everything happening, but uh, and this is. You could go deeper into this story, but you know most people that know Papa, a lot of people don't know, but he had tuberculosis when he was mm-hmm. in college, and he was in Santorium or whatever it's it's called for a, a year or more, three years I think. And yeah. and anyway, he you know obviously a lot of people uh, died at that time, and um, they they gave him a, a medicine, and it was like I don't know tenfold the potency that would normally render someone sterile and unable to have kids. And Paul got a, a big multiple of what would, at a basic level, make you sterile. So anyway, he tells Grand, 
grand, all she cares about in life. I mean, she got a great job offer from IBM out of college. She was super smart, but all she really cared about in life was having a family and raising kids. And so Papa told her before they got married, he's like, I, you know, I'm taking this medicine. And the doctor says that there's a really strong chance that I'll never be able to, to have kids. And that was pretty brutal for grand. But at that point, you know, she, they hadn't even been together for that long. So a lot of girls, they weren't deep enough in the relationship. She could have just said, okay, well, I'm going to, that's the deal breaker. Yeah. But they stayed together anyway. And they, Grant got pregnant like less than a month after they got married. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, so anyway, you got de- defeating all those odds. They end up having, you know, Shirley, Nana and, and, and dad. Uh, but none of those kids were ever supposed to even happen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That's a fascinating story. Yeah. It really is. I someone, could, someone should write a book that, that specializes in nonfiction. Uh, well, you know, uh, look, I, I, I think that you would be the one to tell this story. I yeah, think so you know he doesn't do any nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my first turkey was named Toxie. That might be a good story for another podcast. But before Mossy Oak came out in 1983, 86. I, my, I'm, no, my turkey, oh, okay. my first turkey was Maybe killed in 1983. So I killed a turkey named Big Toxie in 1983. Uh, my dad was watching TV one day, and there was a commercial on TV for uh, Brian Foods. Yeah. And it was this bully, big old dude uh, wearing overalls, and uh, he kept stealing everybody's hot dogs at a picnic. And they said, oh, no, it's Big Toxie. And uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, my dad thought it was hilarious. And I then, think Toxie worked on that and, commercial. Yeah, and so yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first turkey I killed at my farm in Ebenezer when I was seven, its name was Big Toxie. Wow. And uh, come to find out, I mentioned it to Toxie a couple of years ago, and he said, yeah, I was uh, uh, just out of college working for Brian Foods in marketing, and this uh, advertising company from Atlanta came in to do the commercial and they said they liked my name and wanted to use it in the commercial. It's an unusual name. You don't oh, hear yeah, it many no. places. I've seen it on a, there's there's a community somewhere called mm-hmm. Toxie. It's, it's, it's just yeah. south of Butler, Alabama. It's, in, it's on high, right on Highway 17, West Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Toxie, Alabama. Yeah. So look, I've got a, I've got a couple of trivia questions oh, I wanted no. to ask you guys. Oh uh, boy. I don't know if y'all you didn't, tell, you didn't tell you didn't uh, tell us about this. I'm still mad on Mr. Grizzly Bear question. I'm not going to bring that up. Is this part time. of every podcast? It's starting to be. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, um, I've got a trivia question too. I'll throw it out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Daniel's All right. Smart. So I don't think this is a tough one, but it's well documented how obsessed Toxie, your father, is with hunting wild turkeys. And I wanted to ask the question: Does uh, does anybody know the farthest Toxie has traveled to kill a turkey? And I Atlanta, I'm, I'm asking the young men at oh, the end of the sorry. table. I'm going to let Neil answer that. Do you know so, the answer? No. I think I do. Yeah, I think you can't right. get much further than New Zealand. That, that, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. He actually shot uh, like a, it's like an orange. Have you ever, you've seen that? Yeah, it's, it's downtown. Yeah. downtown and it's like orange and white. It's like the it's crazy. Yeah, it's beautiful. But like. And you would think, oh, the, maybe the turkeys in New Zealand just look like that. And no, it was rare for even then. I think dad and cubs were actually hunting and they were, you know, just, they were up on this mountain and they were looking at this huge flock of turkeys and, and cubs was looking at binoculars. He said, 
Toxie, you ain't gonna believe this. You know, this was like right when they first started out. Like, you know, that and and Cuz is like, he goes, There's an orange turkey out there. He goes, What? He goes, I swear one of those turkeys is orange. And he pulls binoculars up and said they they get they call these turkeys up and they're like at a I think they said they're like in, where it kind of like a little pass between two big hills or mountains or whatever. And the turkey and they call these turkeys up and they're all kind of funneling through this pass and they're sitting like above them, you know, and so he, you know, when he shoots a turkey, I think he shoots them like straight down, like off the side of this cliff. Um, but yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful mountain. They hung in his office for forever. Yeah, where it, where it, is it now? It's, I think it's in the production office. Is that, that not the thing the that's original office? Or maybe it's that's wrong. not that odd color phase. No, that was just we... bleach from the sign. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's wow. it's just that old. <laughs> All right. So I've got one more. So, uh, so many years ago, you guys were, were running around. Y'all were, y'all were terrorizing Oak Hill Academy. Uh, Mossy Oak sponsored the PBR, the professional bull riding. And there was a bull that uh, it was it was legendary. It, uh, I can Daniel already knows where I'm going. <laughs> these are, yeah. these are pretty up. Yeah. 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 yeah, come on, Bobby, you, you, right. you give me these hard questions. Bring it back on for something tougher. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and he was in the he's in, in the Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, it, it, that, that was yeah. I was going to ask the name of the bull. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to, to take it even further, there was a uh, you can still there's still some being sold online, but there was a he was so famous that there was a bucking bull ride along that went outside of uh uh grocery stores and sporting goods stores in you know texas oklahoma and and, and rodeo country yeah and there's still a couple that that's like several thousand dollars but we should probably start a we need you know, one of those we gotta we have, have one of those studios studios yeah. you can google it if if, if you want but let's start Mossy a go fund me and get one of those yeah. things we'll down here get that back home yeah well, 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 well you know my questions to you are obviously a lot tougher but i think you're an easier target than i'm definitely an easier target <laughs> do, you, do you can you think of maybe a tougher question like off the cuff uh, not off the cuff i, I do have uh you got any offers supposed to make you think yeah okay i got one more i think I think you will nail this I'm not, one. I'm not writing those uh, checks. But at the uh, at the time that Bottomland came out, there was another pattern that was very similar to Bottomland, but it had a little gray in it. Do y'all know what it was Are called? Are you serious? It's going to the last one. <laughs> Any more brain busters? Why don't you ask me what okay. color the sky is? Right? <laughs> Grass. Yeah, and they've oh, only been here their right. whole life. Uh, Lanny, I'm going to hand this off to you. <laughs> Just so it doesn't go unanswered, the hill, hill Country was made in the early days, and they look, they're the exact same silhouette, the same pattern, and they just have different color tones. And yeah. Bottom line's a little muddier, and, and Hill Country's a little grayer. Mm-hmm. A so that so you there are some people that probably probably even own a button-up shirt or a jacket. It was like probably just product numbers 001 through 4 that yep, had Hill Country yeah. on it. It was a pant shirt. Jacket in. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that I guess throughout the thirty-year, five-year history of, of camouflage patterns, some of out o- overshadowed the others, and you know you saw that with breakup overshadowing like yeah, shadow leaf everything. and shadow branch. You know, breakup came out and it just took off, and then so a lot of there's a, a lot of camouflage patterns that people really don't know about. There's actually one of my favorites is this old canvas. You know, they used to paint these camouflage patterns on like a canvas thing and, and there's one that sat in dad's office for years and they, and they never did anything with it but it, it said dove field camo on it and it's mm-hmm. got like some stalks of like some stuff that you would see in a, yeah. in a dove field and I always it cracks me up but 99.9% of, of people you know mossy oak fans or people that wear mossy oak or hunt mossy oak don't know what hill country is and it was the second pattern ever yeah done. 100% I know what bottom line is and it's just funny you know that right. the patterns that take off and the patterns that don't so well, that and, le- and old clothes 
age differently. Yeah. So, you know, so a lot of most people, well, the funny thing, and I know you're probably about to get into the, the, the niche world of mossy oak old school collectors out there, but right. back in the, I'll say back in the day, in the early days of when people were buying stuff on eBay, when you could get it for, you know, thrift shop prices five, six, seven years ago, nobody ever listed Hill Country as Hill Country. And then as anybody who goes to the National Ontario Federation convention goes, there's basically only uh, one camouflage that's that's even in the building. If you're not wearing mossy oak, then you, you know, you, you stand out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So <laughs> people, it's almost like the red carpet for some Hollywood thing. Like people look forward to going to NWTF and wearing their best old school mossy oak. I mean, you see it all coming out, the old obscure Carhartt stuff from the early 90s or whatever it is. But in the early days, like I said, you never saw Hill Country labeled as Hill Country. And it was priced the same as everything else. And then a few times at uh, at NWTF, somebody would walk up wearing a Hill Country jacket or a shirt, and they didn't even know what it was. And we'd talk about it, and their eyes would light up like, oh, this is rare. And then now, freaking, there's a guy listing a Hill Country jacket for $300 on eBay. That's just like the basic cotton jacket, and which is a bit ridiculous. If you're listening out there, whoever you are that listed that, that's too much. Bring price down. Yeah. Uh, so there is a, like a, a kind of like that shotgun uh, Bobby sold me for $100 the other day. Yes, I did that as a favor. Dudley. So Yeah, that, that gun, there are people who would pay 50 for it, so you never know. you got to have it right on. <laughs> so there is a, like an underworld culture where people are looking on eBay and other places and going oh, to yeah. thrift stores and trying to find the vintage Mossy Oak yeah. patterns and then selling them, huh? I, I think we're, there's a group of us that are probably responsible for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. bring, we, you know, it was like David Hawley and Jason Hart and like a couple other people just absolute sharks and they would just buy up everything, anything that was listed on eBay. And it was back when it first started, it was kind of rare for, you know, someone would just put an article, you know, they put a, a bottom line, original bottom line shirt from the early days. It may have been one of the first shirts ever made and they'd put it up for 10 bucks just to get rid of it. And, 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 you know, basically like a yard sale. And then, you know, we'd pay $10 for it. And then people started, you know, we, you know, the bottom line resurgence or whatever, just, and the Bennett's came out market all together and started coming back. And I think it was because of us just, you know, desperate to find these old articles of Mossy Oak clothes. And, and, and then, you know, it just became, you know, I guess just people just didn't, hadn't seen it in so long. And all of a sudden they were like, wow, this, this is you know really cool. So now it's like, I mean, uh, Bob Dixon vest uh, on eBay last week went for $2,000, $2,100. Wow. Uh, that's crazy. And, and, wow. And so mine's in the back and, of my truck. I need to put it in the We've seen hats, just a hat on eBay go for over $100. I mean, it's just, you know, some are more valuable than others, but it's just outrageous. It's, it's actually really cool to see the, you know, the, People love that, you know, the old camo like that. A lot of people have cool stories about about how they got their Dixon vests, and now they're, it's like, I don't even know if it's peaked or not yet. I mean, like Neil said, last week somebody paid $2,100, and this week there's one for on eBay. Somebody saw that on Mississippi Turkey Enders or something and was like, well, I'm getting mine out of my closet. And so then the next day there was one for $2,500 on that. Oh, wow. But it wasn't always that expensive, but it was always, you know, just like anything, if you're looking for, there have been hundreds or thousands of turkey vests made. So if you're looking for one specific one from a year, you have trouble finding any of them, but the Dixon wasn't always that expensive. I'm sure it was always hard to find and it was limited. Um, and it is the greatest turkey vest ever made. But before it was, before people were dusting them off to sell them for two grand on eBay, there, uh, if y'all remember Sheldon, who I guess oh, yeah. worked for the company to help, uh, help us make them. He, he had, I didn't have everybody when they started, when we got older, we were in college and everybody's like, Dixon vest, Dixon vest. I didn't have one and Neil didn't have one. So we both have stories about how we got them because dad didn't buy extra for us uh, back then. 
So, but anyway, Sheldon, he found out I didn't have a Dixon vest and he has three of them. Uh, since he helped make them, he was saving them for in case there was ever an emergency where somebody needed one like, like me or even way more of an emergency than me. It was the other vest that he gave away. So anyway, he gave me one of the prototypes that it's not numbered. It's just, it's one of the ones before that, but his other vest that he gave away, there was a guy who, and this, this kind of talks about what turkey hunting, especially and mossy oak means to everyone because this this request to Sheldon happened before people looked at the Dixon vest and just saw dollar signs in their eyes. It was just something to commemorate an incredible turkey hunter, mm-hmm. Bob Dixon. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, this this lady calls Sheldon and she was like, hey, I've been trying to find one of these Bob Dixon turkey vests that Mossy Oak made and I was given your name as somebody who might be able to to find one for me. My husband is a huge Mossy Oak fan and a lifelong turkey hunter and he has the same kind of cancer that Mr. Bob has and he's terminal and he doesn't have very much longer to live and his uh <laughs> get choked up but mm. his his one thing that he his one request is that if there's any way possible he wants to be buried with a dixon vest oh my, oh my goodness wow. so anyway so sheldon got her the vest and the, the man was buried uh in a dixon vest wow wow boy these folks are passionate about turkeys mm-hmm. and God, it's wow uh, there's a couple of Dixon vests that aren't going to go on eBay, and, and that's one of them, especially. Yeah. And, and Will has number one. And that's like, I've only seen it once, and he brought it to the camp one time. Uh, we were doing some videos and stuff, and, and we needed some video of the, the one vest. And like, like looking at it, you're like, get chills, like looking at it. I bet. Like, All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Neil, what you got your Mine story? actually, yeah, Will gave me mine. Uh, I was hunting with Will one time, and I was like, you know, I wish I had a Dixon vest. Uh, you know, I just when I we were when they came out, we were kids. We just didn't think anything of it, and you know, and then fast forward, you know, it's just like man, I would really wish I had a piece of that. You know, and it's, and that's the whole reason that you know people love Bob, and, and and that was kind of a reason to make the vest in the first place, is so people could have just a small piece of Bob and carry it with them when they went in the turkey woods, and and, and that's that's the the cool part about it is being able to have kind of a piece of Bob with you while you're out in the woods, um, and and so. That's why I just, you know, just kind of sets on the wheels. Like, man, I just, you know, wish I had one, you know. And so, that, whatever, like a year later, he comes up to hunt and we go to hunt and he's like, I brought you this. And then he hands me a Dixon vest. I was like, I can't take that. And he's like, wow. he's like, dude, you can't hunt with that one. He's like, if you want one, you can take this one. And it was like, it's a, it's a prototype vest that they, when they were designing the vest, they sent it to Will to, to look over and see if there was any needed changes and this and that. And it's pretty much the same thing. But, um, but anyway, yeah, he was like, look, I've, I've got, a couple of you know best and, and he's like you can have this one he's like oh. so anyway so that's awesome. yeah, we'll get very it. cool it, it really is so shout out will going uh yeah, going down yeah. To Florida go will. Monday. we're yeah, going he's, uh, he's a great young man will and i are going to florida uh to brandon stories on monday uh to finish his uh grand he's never come to osceola so this will be the last one in his uh Quest for a grand slam, so nice. Cool. Yeah. Keep us posted on how that goes. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Nice. I have to say one more name. There's a guy named Casey McKee that outside of Jason Art has the most ridiculous collection of, of old Mossy Oak stuff outside of people who are it's in the family. Sick. And David Holly is basically David Hayes. He's like a big yeah. brother to me and Neil. Um, but excluding those people, uh, a guy named Casey McKee has the most uh, incredible collection of the old Mossy Oak, the first uh, jackets that had, you know, there was, there was like the corduroy collar. Yeah, one had, didn't have a corduroy collar. Triple one did three. Have a corduroy yeah. uh, mm-hmm. collar. And <laughs> people love those jackets because that's just kind of like, it's in style now. People think it's cool with yeah. like general, you know, Filson type stuff they're buying already. So anyway, Casey's got an incredible collection of some of that, but Hart has the, I think he's got the shotgun collection cornered. 
uh, every whether it's a shotgun or old article of clothing, like if I ever see anything cool, uh, I'll send it to Hart like every time. And every time, yeah, I've got three of those. I've got seven of those. Yeah, I've got <laughs> ten of those. Like, I mean, I, I haven't sent him anything in, in five years that he, he hadn't replied. Yeah, I've got that. So, do y'all ever like go through your dad's attic or your grand Mr. Fox's attic and find neat stuff that they stuck yeah, away? That, that, stuff, oh, yeah, that stuff's oh, yeah. long. You know, we we started doing that a long time ago. So yeah, most of that yeah. stuff is yeah. I've got uh, three. Yeah, we've got we've got some really really cool stuff from uh, from Papa that came out of the attic, and, a, and I've got a couple shirts that like the buttons are about to fall off and they're super faded. You can't hunt in them anymore, and uh, and even some of the old companion stuff like yeah. this this cap. That, uh, mm-hmm. That's that's some of the really cool stuff that they're the companion stuff. There really wasn't a ton made, so it's harder to to uh, find. I got a text last night. A guy sent a picture of a of a companion's hat asked me where he could get another one. And I, I, said, got the same, I got that same text message. I said, if you want to send that hat to its rightful home, then yeah. I'll give you the West Point hat. You know, a good, a good method is just to go to the grocery store or Walmart or something around West Point, and, and you'll you'll see – sometimes you'll see somebody that, you know, doesn't look like they've hunted in 20 years or ever, and they'll just have this brand-new-looking – Right, I'd say that too. And yeah. if, you know, it's it's cool how some people have their favorite. Obviously, bottomland is it's like the soul of mossy oak. Even if your favorite pattern is greenleaf tree stand, full fall foliage, whatever, bottomland is is a part of of all of those. So everybody loves bottomland, but some other people there's like a pattern that that's just their absolute favorite. They're, whether it's greenleaf and they're a turkey hunter, or, you know, tree stand, or or even up to forest floor, there's some people that just freaking love forest floor. Please bring it back, bring it back. Yeah. But Lanny's, there's a lot Lanny's of one of them on that one. Yeah, I love yeah. my forest four Dad pants. Loves, that's <laughs> that's one of Dad's favorite patterns. Uh, I, I, have two, I have two pair of pants. I'm down to one now. Yeah. And I'm like freaking out about yeah. them. That's <laughs> the only pair of pants Dad wore for years. Yeah. Well, four you, four. Yeah, I mean, just sit on the ground. I mean, just look down. Used to it, we, we would call it mixing and matching. Yeah, that's what and, we did earlier. And I loved that. It just yeah. looked so so. That was our main sales pitch when the in the apparel days. I mean, because you could wear you know full foliage and tree stand, and it all had the bottomland background. A lot of thought went into that, and it yeah. was super effective. Yeah. Yep. I know the first time I put it on like you, it it raised my game 100%. I don't know if it was mental. I mean, I knew I looked better. You know, I knew I looked better. <laughs> but it, it, made me a, it made me a better woodsman. Yeah, my dad literally came into my room one day and said, I no longer have to carry my snips when I go turkey hunting because right. they came out with – somebody came out with this new camo, and – uh yeah, it just it makes me look like a tree. I, you know, I think the reason that the the camo was so well thought out it reminds me was it Tommy Boy when he's when he did the little ad or whatever he's like you know made by the working man for the working yeah, man. Yeah, that's and right. I think, you know, it was, it was made by a turkey hunter for the turkey hunters, and 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 it was then uh, that's the, the the sole reason for it existing was to hide from turkeys. It wasn't to sell you know camo t shirts at a NASCAR race. It was. Uh, it was to hide from turkeys, and 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 that's why it was so well thought out. So the bottom line was such a good pattern because it was hunting the Alabama River bottom, just fed up with not being able to hide from turkeys, having to build blinds all the time, not being able to move around and get on different trees, and then looking at a tree one day and being like, "Well, mm-hmm. let's just make clothes that look like that tree, mm-hmm. and we'll be good." And it, that's and that's that's why it's such a perfect turkey hunting pattern because that it was made for you know turkey hunting, genuine. 
and authentic. Well, and the whole culture has been so influenced, you know, just yeah. by every bit of the aspects of turkey hunting from the conservation yeah. to the woodsmanship that it requires to everything else. I mean, I was uh, actually in the woods this morning on some public land and ran into a guy. And he said, man, how important is turkey hunting to Mossy Oak? And I told a lot of the stories that y'all told today. He's like, what? I'm like, it's everything. It really is. Uh, yeah, if, if you want to know how important turkey hunting is to Mossy Oak, drive by any of the offices in West yeah. Point on open Come by in the morning. Uh, it's just empty parking, especially yeah. down here at yeah. the mall. Yeah, I, I've, <laughs> actually, I've actually taken a photo. I, I, I hunted that, opening yeah. morning uh, this year, but – uh, the two years yeah. before that, uh, you know, like one car in the parking lot. <laughs> I, I just want to say the one thing that's kind of jumped out at me, it, we've really enjoyed talking to you guys, and I would like to do this again about some other subjects. But Sorry if we've gone over. over no, 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 no problem. But but I think I, I, what I want to say is you guys, two young men that have had just a great opportunity to be mentored by Mr. Fox. And I would say that, you know, You've had a great example of from your father because the same characteristics that Mr. Fox has, Toxic definitely has. So it's, it's passed down to you guys. So I just I, it just kind of gives me goosebumps to think about you know the 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 lessons that and what all Mr. Fox has done to teach people and help people and and Toxic's the same cut out of the same cloth, same same person. And then here you two guys are so. It'll be interesting to see what y'all do out there in the world. And well, it, I don't know yeah. if those are shoes that is, those shoes aren't possible to fill. Yeah, so you can't fill those shoes, but you, best. you can't you can't spend this much time talking about uh, dad and papa without mentioning my mom and, and grand well, uh, more because they I'm sure there's some other family stories like this out there, but you know, Malsiak wouldn't be what it what it is without mom and and grand. And in the early days, this you know if if there was a way to tell this, I'd be telling the sharks out there to gouge the price on eBay, but Grand sewed a lot of the stuff in the early days, and there's that's a you could dedicate a whole podcast to the early days and yeah, the design yeah. and manufacturing of the first turkey clothing. But um, it would absolutely not be what it is without without mom and Grand and the sacrifice that they made and the and the help that they made. And they never want. I mean, Grand still when when we were taking pictures of Papa when he killed his buck uh, at the end of, of deer season this year, I wanted to get a picture of Grand and Papa together, and she just she doesn't she never wants be on camera. She don't want her picture taken. She doesn't want any spotlight. But nobody on the planet cares more deeply about Malcio, about Dad, about Papa, or any of the the grandkids. And on that same note, with Grand Papa, we talk about all all the stuff that it takes to get Papa a turkey once you get to the woods. But Papa would never get to the woods if it weren't for Grand taking care of him home. I mean, she she wakes up at three in the morning. She gets all the stuff ready. He's got this like little sugar sack that he carries with all his you know he's got granola bars and banana and ball water and all it's a white his, sugar sack his, by the way colonial sugar sugar sack it's, it's, like a, it's got his, bag, yeah. his his backup ammo it's it's he carries his clip in there if he's if he's got a rifle but um grand she wakes up early she cooks him breakfast we pull up to pick up papa and she's on the front steps helping him out the door i mean it it is it's very cool it's a great story yeah uh, thank you for they're amazing and pop up yeah and he's they're he's so patient too like they, they i think that at one time he had never had like maybe still has never had like a legitimate argument slash fight with her in 60 plus years how many years they've been married he just and, and he told me a long time ago he said look he said, "You can be, uh, you, you can be happy, or you can be right." <laughs> a lot of wisdom in that, <laughs> a right lot there, of buddy. In that statement. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And then, but, but yeah, and last, last story on that note because it's, it's what he just said. But 
I thought I'd always heard about Papa. Like he, you know, he's the most patient man in the world. He doesn't argue with Grand no matter what. Like he's he's just got textbook patience. And uh, so last year we were getting ready for for Papa's uh, next to last turkey hunt. We're at Shamula. Me and Neil and Dad are all going with him, and and uh, we're getting ready to go again. Grand's been up for hours already before I woke up, getting making sure you know stressing out, making sure he's he's got everything ready. And so Papa now he's got his walker, so he moves real slow. So he's moving through the kitchen just at his little slow pace and Grant is right, right next to him, like asking him a million questions. Like <laughs> you got this, you got that. What about this? What about that? You're going to be okay. And she's got his face mask. She said, don't forget your face mask. And she's like trying to, you know, put it on him. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I think I can read Papa's mind. I'm like, man, he's just, this is it. This is the patience I'm talking about. He wants to tell her to, to chill out so bad. And, and, and Papa goes, Grant can't hear very well. Uh, and, and Papa goes, Grant, Grant, Grant. And she, she hears him and he looks at her and he just like pats his lips for a kiss and she gives him a good luck kiss. Nah. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right, I'm an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I Papa. I was inside his brain and he's yeah, over there. Nope. And he, <laughs> yeah. he's a, he loves it. So, yeah. why don't you, y'all should give a shout out to your mother because she's, she, she's got to be a saint she to put up with your father. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> And and shout out to Caroline and Hillary too because we can't we gotta we gotta check every box. All there the you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. In the in the family. Yeah, you do. That's hey, it. it takes it. You gotta have somebody supporting you to do what you do, and there's no question about that. Well, look, this has been a lot of fun, Mac. You got anything to add? Wake up over there. I'm awake. I just I enjoy talking talking to everybody and get to hear this, some stories that I've heard, you know, on the tailgate talk sometimes, and uh, just the, how much I appreciate Mr. Fox and Mr. Toxy and kind of getting to grow up hunting with with y'all uh i feel like i've you know taken some things or that y'all have taken some things that you've learned from your dad and mr fox and kind of pass that along to me and i hope to do that with my son one day so it's living on absolutely that's good i, that's I, good. I think I take, i'd like to take full responsibility for teaching mac almost everything he knows in the woods <laughs> <laughs> i will i will say me and mac hunted together one time and we didn't kill a turkey we actually hunted on the time bigby river but neil and mac you know, doubled like three times, maybe, and, le- and probably less than a dozen hunts. I mean, that percentage is probably killed more turkeys than times we've hunted turkey hunted together. Yeah, y'all, y'all. Uh, I, I know, know y'all like, wore them out. Behind y'all's percentage is not. I think the last three times we've turkey hunted together. Last four times we've turkey hunted together, we've killed six turkeys. Sounds like y'all need to go in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> you know one of the we questions that I can, can one of the questions I considered asking was what was the over and under on how many turkeys Neil has killed barefooted. Mm, uh, I heard that there was a story between two. you and Mac with no, two, two, two or three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two or three. Oh, oh. Yeah. Some things are best left untold. Yeah. 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 So, well, look, this has been a lot of fun, and I want to thank Jason and Richie and Michael Wayne's over here somewhere, and but we've we've had a lot of fun. I think uh, this is this has been an interesting podcast. Oh, I think we'll do this again. I'd like to. So, all right, then we'll say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.